You know, I, I got excited when Pastor Travis said, hey, you want to teach? I was like, yeah, Corinthians. He goes, no, Corinthians was mine. <laughs> but as you know, I've been going through First John. And the joke is it'll take about 20 years for me to go through First John. And I was talking with Pastor Kelly, and I said, you know what's the hard part about doing it like once a quarter? Is you gotta, you gotta go back and you gotta reteach what you taught last time. But that's okay. Because you know what? The Word of the Lord is amazing. The Word of God is powerful. Hebrews says, man, it is alive and active. Able to penetrate. And as we get to this passage in First John today, I hear the Bible's turning. That is such an awesome sound. If you could be up here and you hear that, that's just amazing. I titled today's message, The Cross is Greater Than I. And now that you've officially turned to 1 John chapter 1, I want you to hold your spot, and I'm going to jump off. I'm going to lay a little bit of foundation work. I want us to turn to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. You see, in 1 John, we're going to get there. But I want you to understand that this passage, what we're dealing with, broken people, broken hearts, sin, is not a new concept. It's been around since the very beginning in Genesis. And yet Christians... Those those of us that have been Christians for a while, we sometimes, unfortunately, take our eyes off the cross, off the gospel, off the good news. And if you've been following with us in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians Pastor Travis has been, has been going, guys, get back to the gospel. Get back to the good news. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, that's the meat of today. Get back to the gospel. Get back to the good news. Understand what the cross did and is continuing doing for us. Otherwise, well, otherwise we find ourselves very similar to this parable in Luke chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 9. Jesus is talking, and he's sharing, and he says this. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others With contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. The other, a tax collector. Reminder, 
tax collector were despised members of the Jewish culture. They were traitors. They got the money from the Jews and gave it to the Romans. And so Jesus is using this, a Pharisee, someone that was was renowned and, and people looked to, and someone that was despised. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this way. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. That's a really good way to start a prayer. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Lord, this is my loose Harrington translation, but let me remind you, I actually have that written in my notes. God, let me remind you what I have done. Verse 12 says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all that I get. And then Jesus says, the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes up to the heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you this, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, Jesus speaks right to the heart of religion. Religion is a self-help, feel-good, work-your-way-to-heaven. Man, if you want to be religious, the door's right there. Garrett, can you say that? We're in a church. Absolutely. God doesn't want a religion. God wants a relationship. God wants us to be real. So, some of you may not know this, but many, many years ago, I was the youth pastor. And, and right now, see how long my hair is? I mean, it's like barely touching my ears. And I told my wife this morning, I got to get a haircut. I, I, I got to get a haircut. One of my best friends knew that I like my hair short, sweet, and to the point. And so he looked at me and he smiled and he goes, Hey, Garrett, I'll send 15 kids. I will pay for 15 kids to go to high school camp. If you grow your hair out, get dreadlocks, and post it on social media. Oh, man. I mean, you know me. I like a challenge. So I went to my wife and said, hey, my friend said that he'll send 15 kids to high school camp. If I grow my hair out, I get dreadlocks, and I post it on social media. My wife said, absolutely. However, if they start smelling, one, you're cutting them off, or two, we're getting a divorce. I said, no, no, no. I'm doing clean dreadlocks. Some of you guys are looking at me going, there's such thing as clean dreadlocks? Absolutely. I washed my hair every day. It was wonderful. What I call it is they took like a mini 
crochet hook and just tightened my hair. And I don't have a picture of it. I'm not going to post a picture of it. But if you really want to see it, look later. Um, But it was hilarious because I was starting to grow my hair out. And some people were starting to notice, like, oh, Garrett, what you doing? Oh, man, this, this friend of mine made me a bet. I grow my hair out. We get to send 15 kids to high school camp. I was all excited. They're like, oh, that's cool. The Sunday I got my dreadlocks and I came to church. You know the emails that we talk about? Dear Pastor Rick. Your youth pastor has dreadlocks. Click. Yeah. I was amazed at the switch. I mean, you guys have known. I was literally born here. I've been going to Trail Christian Fellowship for 43 years. And it's funny how instantly... We can fall into it. And I want you to notice that I said we. Because we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty to make that quick judgment call. Oh, look at him. They're not dressed right. Oh, look at him. Look at her. Jesus speaks right to the heart. You see, the Pharisee, the good guy is not declared good with God. That's because he was basing everything on his own virtue, not Christ. The bad guy is actually declared good, justified with God. Why? Because he went and said, I am, I realize, when you hold my life up to perfection... I am nowhere near that. I'm a failure. Lord, have mercy on me. A sinner, it says. There are two things that Jesus says. As we turn to 1 John, he says this. The human race is much worse than we think it is. My friends, all you have to do is turn on the news and we talk and and we share and we go, oh my goodness, look at how how hard and and horrible the the, the world is. It's a lot worse than we even realize. And the second thing that he actually comments on is quit self-justifying. Quit making excuses. Quit saying, hey Lord, look at what I did for you. And it's really easy to do that. It's really easy for us to to kind of self-justify. You see, 1 John and I know that you guys turned there because I heard the pages, is actually combating the same thing. He was written, it was written to Christians, to an early church, 
because self-justifying people were penetrating it. They were starting to teach. They were getting our eyes off the good news, off the gospel. You see, they claimed to know God in covenant. They were having fellowship with God, and we'll, we'll actually read that. Yet they denied that God was real, the incarnation. Oh, no, no. God, he was too perfect. He can't be, he can't be fully God, fully man. Not, not happening. They denied the need for atonement. Say what? They denied the need for the cross. As a pastor, I don't know if uh, you guys have ever thought this, but I, at men's prayer breakfast, I, I brought this question up. I sometimes, working especially with the youth, I got asked, hey, Garrett, What's the worst sin you've ever done? And we laugh at it, you know, all that something that a youth would ask. No, actually, guys, it's something that we all ask because we self-justify. We try to rank that sin. Oh, well, if that person can get away with it, maybe I can get... I told them, and I'll tell you right now, I would much rather a silent video of my entire life be displayed before you guys than to have an HDMI plugged into my brain and my thoughts be displayed on the screen. Oh. Well, remember what Jesus says. You've heard it say, if you do this, I say no if you think that. That is how serious our Lord, our God, is about sin. Oh, but, but, but isn't God just God of love and so he just loves me unconditionally? We'll get to that statement, don't worry. The self-justifying people also denied that they needed to love others. They didn't need to have fellowship with other people. It was just them and God. And yet, that flies right into the face of what Jesus said. They will know you by your love. You see, yes, we are supposed to have love towards God, us and God. Absolutely, that relationship needs to be real, needs to be alive, needs to be active. And yet, part of that, it overflows and we start loving others. And so, my friends, as we turn to 1 John, I want you to check your heart at the foot of the cross. Check your attitude and go, how easy is it for me to self-justify? How easy is it for me to make a judgment call on someone? How easy is it for me to say, oh, thank God I am so much better than him? If we as a body, if we as a family could love like God loves, can you imagine what would happen? That's our prayer. I mean, it's our mission statement. Helping people think, live like Jesus. Helping one another live Think the way Jesus does. And so, 
we turn to 1 John. And I'm going to quickly, because my time is running away from me, I'm going to quickly kind of recap. Remember that 1 John is written by, we know him as the disciple of love, John the Apostle. John the Apostle was not always the disciple of love. He was also known in his earlier days, <clears throat> a son of thunder. And I, and I do that way because it's kind of teasing because he got so upset, he went to Jesus and said, let's just wipe them all out, just eliminate them, fire, brimstone, <laughs> level the city. Whoa. Hold on a second. Back it up. You see, John, Ray Steadman calls him John the Mender. Because when Jesus called John, he was sitting mending his net to go fishing. And you see, John is now quite old as he writes First John. And they would actually say that when he could barely talk, he would be carried in and he would look at the home church and he goes, love God, love others. And that would be his message. And I look at the faces of you and you're saying, that should be your message today, Garrett. Well, it is, just with a little bit more words. You see... We're combating the same thing today as John was combating back then. A whole lot of churches that are trying to self-justify. A whole lot of people, pastors even, that are afraid to just stick to the truth, stick to the gospel. Instead, they want to teach what is easy on the ears and we get distracted and we start swaying away from the gospel, the good news. And so John, and what my plan is, is I'm going to read the actual first chapter of John all at once. We'll see if I can do it. But then we're going to go back and we're going to unpack it. First John chapter 1 verse 1 says this, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it. We testify to it. We proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Verse 3, that which we have seen And heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My friends, that which was from the beginning... Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God. Four words, in the beginning, God. The rest of the Bible is unpacking those four words. Depravity of man, redemption, reconciliation, and heaven. 1 John says, no, we want fellowship with one another. He says, I write these things, I remind you of these things. Why? So we can have joy. So we can have joy. Well, what about this joy? This is the message. Verse 5. We heard from him, proclaim to you, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. My friends, I have to I have to make this clear. There are many times we read scripture and we start trying to justify what's in it, what God is really saying. Why? Because it makes us uncomfortable a little bit. It makes us go, oh that's not my God. Well, if that's what you're doing today, you want philosophy. God says, I am light. In him, there is no darkness. When I taught this passage a couple months ago, we looked at it, how light measures, how light reveals. It examines us. Oh, okay. And so that's where John is getting us to before we actually look at verses 8 through 10. He goes, I want you to look at the light. Now those of us think about this and we go, "Ah, remember the Lion King, Mufasa and Simba, whatever the light touches. That's kind of the mentality, and we go, ooh, well, what about the dark place? That's us. We instantly are drawn to it going, oh, well, we can hide there. I can do whatever I want there. No. If God wants a relationship, we walk in the light as he is in the light. Did you guys catch that? Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, 
cleanses us from all sin. You see, even Pluto says that an unexamined life is a life not worth living. My friends, you have to start with God. You have to. If you're questioning, if you're wrestling, if you're going, hmm, I wonder if, what, when, where, why, how, you have to start with the truth. You have to start with light because light examines. Light penetrates. Light reveals. And this is where we jump into today. So if light penetrates, if light reveals, we look at this, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Oh, man. Have you ever talked to someone who actually believes that they're just a good guy and that, you know, I mean, whatever they do, their good outweighs their bad and, and they're, 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 they're a good person, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a good guy. I haven't done anything that wrong. Well, this is actually even going to an extreme because there's people out there that believe that once they accept Christ, all sin has been washed away. I am now sinless, and I will sin no more. D.L. Moody talks about a part where someone came up to him, and he was actually saying that, you know, I'm perfect here on earth. And D.L. Moody goes, can I talk to your wife about that? This passage, this verse, should not shock us, but yet we try to stay away from it. Why? Because if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Yet if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, here we go. I want us to take a look at this. Verse 8 is talking about the sin. Our sin, our sin nature. All right? We all can admit that we have blown it. We all admit that when you hold our lives up to perfection, we're not there. We're not there. And yet somehow, maybe it's our many, many years of practicing this, but in verse 9, we start forgetting to actually agree with God. And we think God needs to agree with me and my lifestyle. Or maybe that's where you're at right now. Maybe you don't want to look at the light. Maybe you don't want to look at God first. Because you think, how can God forgive me for what I've done? How can God forgive me for my attitude? Garrett, you even said it yourself. You'd rather have someone watch a silent video of, of my actions because you know what? I can still hide my thoughts. But if you're being honest, 
if we're being real, God says, I want those two. Lord, forgive me for the thoughts that run through my head. Wow. I confess, I, I humbly confess that my thoughts don't always align up with yours. And it's this attitude, it's this heart that speaks to us. He calls us into the light to examine us, to reveal the sins, to reveal what is keeping us from him, from trusting him. And yet we still try to self-justify. We still try to go, oh, but, but, but... But God, and he goes, yeah. Can you really forgive me for what I've done? Can you really love me? I mean, I look in the mirror and I can hardly love because I know what I've done. I know what I've thought. And God goes, look at the cross. Look at the cross. Oh. Oh. What is the cross? Well, if you've been studying with us, the cross was foolishness to the Romans, a stumbling block to the Jews, it says in 1 Corinthians. Pastor Travis covered this a couple weeks ago. And it's humbling to us. Because at the cross, God's grace and mercy, justice and love came to a point. And it was beautiful. And it was real. And God goes, This is no religion. This is a relationship. This is a truth. This is light examining our lives. And we go, oh man, I read this passage and I got to be real with myself. How many times have I deceived myself? How many times have I self-justified? How many times have I compared myself with someone else and go, well, God, you allow them to do it. I was riding with a friend. He was driving, not me. Just thought I'd throw that out there. And uh, we got pulled over for speeding. Actually, he got pulled over for speeding. I was just riding. And the funny thing is, is a van about a minute before us flew past the police officer and us. And I remember my friend looked at him and goes, but officer, that van was going faster. And the officer said, yeah, but I caught you. Oh man, how often do we self-justify? How often do I not confess? Sometimes when we confess, if you're like me, I like my checks, I like my lists. Guys, I'm here to tell you that um, God wants an examination of our heart. 
he doesn't have an Excel sheet. Actually, with me, he probably does because he knows how much I love him. But um, he doesn't have an Excel sheet going, hey, Garrett, um, you still haven't confessed about stealing that cookie in third grade. <laughs> we got to be real. That's what First John is, is getting at. He's saying, all right, you're hearing people say this, that if you do enough good, it will outweigh the bad. How often do we hear that? today how often do we hear well you know what it's okay because it wasn't that bad it's okay it wasn't it was just a little bit we were only speeding just a little bit why do we pastors always use speeding because we're always running late and we're always driving fast so I just thought I'd throw that out there but it's something that we always come up with because it's very tangible. I mean, there's parts on Highway 62 that at 55 seems so stinking slow. But we self-justify it. And God goes, no way, hold on. I want the real you. I want the, the light to examine your heart, your life. But Garrett, I don't want to go there. Why? Because I know what the light is going to find. I know what the light is going to see. And I'm broken because of it. I'm crushed because of it. I'm terrified that other people will see it. If I'm real, if I'm honest, if I confess. Now, when it says confess, it doesn't mean that we have a booth over here and that you have to set up a time with one of the pastors and you confess. No, that, that, that's not the confession that it means. But there are times that we do need to confess to one another because maybe we've wronged them. But in this passage, God is saying, Confess to me. Be real with me. I've broken. I've turned my back on you. I've lived a self-centered life. You know that, that situation, that conversation I was in today, God? Forgive me because it was all about me and nothing about you. That's what God is wanting at. That's the meat us realizing, I need him. I can't keep trying to live. I can't keep trying to self-justify. I can't keep beating, going, hey, look at me. God, let me remind you of how much I give to your church. God, let me remind you of all the good things I have done in your name. Aren't I good? And God goes, let's get the light out. Let's examine. And so we're caught right there. Oh, do I allow God in to look, to know? My friends, yes. 
allow God in. Why? Because of verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Holy smokes. My friends, do you know what that means? Let me explain it as simple and wonderful as possible. There is only one unforgivable sin. And that is going to your grave, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, saying, Jesus is not Lord. Let that sink in because you know what? We have lived in a world that we justify our sins. We live in a world to where, oh, you know what? That sin is way worse than that sin, so it's okay. No. God says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short. It's not saying, oh, you know what? Only the liars, they're okay. No. He's saying all of it. And until we, as a family, realize that, we're going to have the difference just like the tax collector and the Pharisee. We'll fall into that mindset of going, I'm better than you. How is that fellowship? How is that loving one another? It's not. And so even from the very beginning, us coming before God, we have to stop and say, God, it's all about you. I lay down my pride. I lay down my selfishness. Let your light shine in my darkness. Let your love pierce my cold heart. Holy smokes. That's uncomfortable, Garrett. That, that, that's getting a little too personal here. Well, my friends, if we're supposed to be we, that means all of us should be encouraging one another to love God and love one another. Just like what John said. Love God and love one another. You see, it's easy to fall into this. It's easy to put up our wall and go, hmm, I believe that God is love. Okay, it says so in scripture. Well, God is, God is love, so that means God is unconditional loving me no matter what. That, that's not in scripture. And yet we as a culture have kind of made that acceptable. And God is going, no, 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 that's not it. If it was unconditional, which it is unconditional, but it still had to be paid for. Justice still had to be done. Do you guys catch that? 
Am I going too fast? Is this like, you know, 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning? Garrett, I need more coffee. If that's okay, I'm right there with you. I've had plenty of coffee for all of us. But yet we, we have this, this reality in our minds that we try to push back against God. Because we're afraid of what he's going to find. We're afraid that either we think our sin is too big for the cross, or it's going to change us completely. And that's scary. My friends, let me encourage you to allow the light into your life. To have fellowship with one another. To be real with God and confess your sins. Why? Because he is faithful and just. I love that. A lot of people just, just he is, he's love. He is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10 says this. If we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. I love that little quip that, that John says. Really? You say you're perfect, you're calling God a liar. You say you don't need him, you're calling God a liar. Oh, man. Okay, Garrett, you read First John chapter 1, and in it it said, make my joy complete. Did, did you catch that? Our joy may be complete. We write these things, verse 4 says, we write them so that our joy may be, may be complete, meaning we all have fellowship with one another. My friends, how awesome is it when we've been praying for someone to know the love of Christ, they get to experience that love and their lives change. You guys know what I'm talking about? It is Amazing. That's the fellowship. That's the joy. That is the light coming into the life. But maybe some of us, you're like me. We've been going to Trail Christian Fellowship for, for many, 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 many years. We think, oh, can God really? Yeah, God really can. But we need to allow that light to penetrate to shine and so we wrestle God is light okay God is light in him there is no darkness at all check if God is light in him is no darkness I allow the light of the world to be in my life you know what it's going to find it's going to find imperfectness it's going to find sin I'm going to call it what it is it's going to find sin my thoughts, my actions are going to be shown and displayed. And you know what? That's really embarrassing for me. But right there, I'm more worried about me. Lord, forgive me for being so self-centered. 
See how easy it is to get off track? That's what it's coming. That's what this passage is about. Going, guys, be real. Let that love of God, let that light shine. Penetrate the life. And when we, when it shows us something that's not thinking like Jesus, you know what sin is? Anything that is not of Christ. Thoughts, action, deed, words, anything that is not of Christ. Oh man. If we confess, if we're saying, God, my life is not like yours and I need more of you and less of me, that is confessing. That is repenting. That's being real. And so, God is light. We are sinful. Obvious, Garrett, thank you very much. But we got to admit it. We got to be truthful about it. Because if we're not going to be real, you know what that does to the light? We start putting up blocks. All right, Garrett, I'm with you so far. God is light. We are sinful. What does that mean? My friends, it means that Jesus' blood will cleanse you from all sin. Because if we take the word for what it is, the word of God, and we quit trying to put our own thoughts, our own actions, our own spin on things, and actually read the gospel for what the gospel is, God is light. We are sin. We need help. Oh. Okay. We hear, we see, and we understand right here. Verse 7, look at what it says. If we walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My friends, you may be a Christian and you may be a hundred years old. You're still going to struggle with thoughts and sins. My friends, you may be a brand new Christian. You're going to struggle with sins. Maybe some of us aren't a Christian yet. Allow that light to penetrate Examine your life compared to perfection. Examine your life compared to holiness. Be real is what First John is saying. Are you pretending to not be in sin? Really? Let's talk to your family. My wife is right there. You can talk to her. Be real. That's what God is wanting. And yet he also wants that reality, that, that truthfulness, to change how we see one another. Oh. But Garrett, it's so much easier for me to judgmentally accuse. I know it is. 
But that's not fellowship. And God said he wants fellowship with us, and he wants us to have fellowship with others. And so by accepting God's forgiveness in our lives, we learn how to accept that forgiveness in others. And so God is light, and that light reveals the sin in our own hearts. And that sin, we don't like to address it. I'm being honest. We don't like to address it because it's uncomfortable and embarrasses us. We're ashamed of it. Maybe that sin, maybe, maybe we have hurt someone really, really bad and we've tried to put it away. My friends, let the light shine. Understand God's forgiveness. Understand the hope that we have in Christ. In verse 7, verse 9 says, His blood, the cross, what happened at the cross will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, you and I, we still have a pulse. That means we're still learning how to think like Jesus. That means you and I, we need to still learn how to confess when we've blown it. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, and I'm not going to expand too much on this, but it says this, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he is born of God. A lot of people, remember how I was telling, telling you earlier about how, how many people think, oh, well, they take that verse out of context, and they say, well, um, if I am a true Christian, I no longer sin. And yet we could look at Paul, and he writes countless times. Even Jesus says, this is how I want you to pray. Lord, lead me not into temptation. Lead me not into temptation? That implies that we sometimes do. Even when we're trying to follow him. We just take our eyes off just a little bit. Well, guys, that's sin. Just a little bit. Just, just, yeah, that's sin. Oh. Well, Garrett, First John says there's joy. First John says God is light. First John says that I need to confess my sins, and yet you keep coming back to the cross. You keep coming back to me being forgiven. We have to understand the power of the cross. You see, a lot of people, when we talk about the cross, I don't mean just a piece of wood. It's a piece of wood. But the symbol, the reality, that the wrath of God was poured out. Our sins were paid for in full. God's love and mercy, grace and justice, our sin was paid for. All of it. Yes, even the one that you'll commit tomorrow. But as a body of believers, as people who are wanting to follow Christ, we go, God, 
cleanse me. I've ruined. I'm broken. I've lived for myself way too long. Where do we go from here? Well, if we're honest with ourselves, I want us to just take a second and talk about the cross. You see, the cross is the blood of Jesus where the faithful, covenant-keeping love of God meets the justice and holiness of God. Let me unpack that a little bit. The cross is where we nailed the perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins. Until you realize that it was your sin that nailed him to the cross, the cross means nothing. And so when I say, let's take a look at the cross, I want to break it into four things. One, examine your heart. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says this, Search me, O God. Know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Guys, have you ever lost anything? And um, you start turning on all the lights. You know what I'm talking about. Why? So you can see. That's this. Search me, O God. Turn on the lights. Allow God light to come in to your life. Search me. Two, confess your sins. That's the part that I'm having a trouble with, Garrett. <laughs> Confessing my sin. That's scary. That's an admission that I've blown it and I need help. And God says, absolutely. Until you do, you're going to keep running into a brick wall, going nowhere. You'll keep having a judgmental heart, a hard heart. Because if you, if you want a relationship with God, if you want a relationship with others, if, if, if we are tired of running from our sin, if we look at our life and we hold it up to perfection and we realize how much we need that love, we got to come before the Lord and say, forgive me. No ifs, no, well, uh, I think I might have blown it, God. No, be real. Your Holy Spirit reminded me of a conversation I had yesterday and I was not thinking like you. Forgive me. And sometimes, sometimes us confessing our sin to the Lord, he encourages us to confess to one another. That's tough. But as a family, if we are encouraging one another to think like Jesus, right? We should be rejoicing 
when someone comes and says, hey, I blew it. And man, it might have been hard, and it might have hurt, and, and you wrestle with that. And, 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 you know, talking about forgiveness, that's a whole other chapter. Um, but that reality of learning to say, okay, I'm letting God deal with it, just as he dealt with it at the cross. So one, examine your heart. Search me, O God. Allow the light in. Two, confess your sins. Now, when we confess our sins, I don't want you to be thinking, I've blown it too much. I've sinned too long. I've hidden this sin way too long. I've tried to outrun God. The thief on the cross, he was nailed next to the man in the middle. And he, all he said was, remember me. Remember me. And it's very easy for us to go, oh, well, you know, um, <clears throat> he didn't know his Bible. He wasn't baptized. And we can start making all, no. All that he needed to know was that he knew that God loved him. And so that's the third thing. Know that God loves you. When we talk to the cross, talk about the cross, talk about coming to the cross, we're asking God to examine our hearts, we're confessing our sins, and we're knowing that God loves us. There's an artist, and I'm going to have you uh, uh, look at the picture that's about to post up. Thomas Blackshear drew this, and it's called Forgiven. It is Jesus holding a man. And I don't know if you can see it. I hope you can. But do you see what's in the man's hands? The nail and the mallet. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins. Until you and I realized that it was our sins that held him to that cross, we're not allowing him to examine our hearts. We're not confessing our sins. And we certainly don't believe that he loves us. You see, if we are honest and allow the light to examine us, we realize how much he does. The cross the love. Jesus was nailed to it to pay for our sins. It is so much greater than I. Do we believe that? Father, your word is real. And as we examine it, as we, as we wrestle with it, as we actually talk about a topic that we don't want to talk about because it's sin, and the failure in our own lives. Forgive us, God, for being so worried about me that we lose sight of your love, of your grace, and of your mercy. God, thank you for being a just God. Thank you for dealing with the sin so it no longer has a hold on us. 
Thank you for your amazing grace. And as we humbly come at the foot of the cross and we realize that it was our sin that nailed you to it, but it was your love that held you there, help us in all areas of our life to think more like you. God, thank you for forgiving all of our sins, for giving us freedom to look to you. In Jesus' name, we say amen.